podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is part one of two of the conversation that I had with Carrington Harrison about the Kansas-Missouri game. Hello and welcome back to this special edition of the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. I know I said a couple weeks ago that we were... Uh, going to go ahead and take a break after the season finale, but we kind of had some uh, stuff coming up here that was just too good to, to, to skip. Um, as you guys are aware of by now, uh, we're, we're taking a big look back at the 2007 uh, football season, uh, specifically that, that wonderful team that we had there with the, the Jayhawks. But today, we're going to go ahead and talk specifically about that Missouri game. The, the big game that I, I'm sure everybody remembers for either good or bad. I'm actually joined today by Carrington Harrison. Uh, CDOT, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, yeah, great to have you back. So I know, I know we said last time that we were going to go ahead and definitely talk some uh, football. I think we both had kind of thought we were going to be previewing the upcoming season. I think we'll still get to that at some point here in the next month or so. But this was just too good of an opportunity to pass up to talk about what, what was probably – well, actually, I don't even think it's arguable at this point. That was probably the best game of the entire season back in 2007. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of crazy because Missouri is actually on the SEC network. They're doing a 10-year anniversary documentary, at least from the Missouri perspective on this. It's uh, I have a really unique closeness to this game. I remember when they first announced it, and my dad and I had never been to a football game before. And I went to Hen House, and I got – eight tickets for the game, I was like, all right, well, hey, I'll grab four, and if, you know, something happens to the game, if they're worth a little bit more money, I can just sell them because I was in college, so I had a little bit, but I was kind of hoping that it worked out, and uh, it did work out. Me and my dad, we sat probably 10 rows up at the 50-yard line during the game, and that was a special that uh, season that was really special to me, and uh, college football is my favorite sport, and uh, I owe that all to the 2007 college football season. Yeah, that, that was a crazy season overall. I know that I had wanted to – I actually had just graduated from college and was, was kind of hoping to be able to get over for the game. But, you know, of course, having just graduated and still trying to find a, a good job at the time, I didn't get a chance to actually buy any tickets for it. If it happened, you know, a year earlier, I probably wouldn't be able to get it as part of the student package there and actually wouldn't have been able to afford it. But you know what? It was still a great game to watch on TV. So let's let's actually jump in. With, with kind of the uh, build-up to that game, obviously going into the season, I don't think anybody kind of expected us to get anywhere near that sort of thing. Um, Missouri, I believe, was expected to be one or two in the Big 12 North, but uh, but Kansas was being predicted at fourth or fifth at most major publications. Um, you know, as the year kind of went on and, and, and Kansas remained undefeated and, and Missouri had that one, one loss to Oklahoma, but that was it, you know, how, how big was that game getting for you? Huge. I think when you look back and you remember kind of how the season was, there was at least a big question from Missouri fans to how good that KU team was. Because if you remember the Big 12, it wasn't like the current structure where everybody played everybody. 
So it was that it wasn't the round robin schedule. So Kansas that year didn't play Oklahoma and didn't play Texas, and Missouri did, and they had that loss. So I think there was a little bit of how actually good is this KU team. So I think that was part of the anticipation and the buildup from that season. I think that Kansas team was good, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at that point. But I guess maybe I'm biased in this. I think if we look back, we'll just see that that Missouri team was just more talented than that KU team is. When you think about how guys have gone on to the NFL and had careers as compared to that KU team. That KU team was good. Akeem Talib was on that team, and they had some other good players. That NFL or that college uh, Missouri team just had just had so many future pros on the team that I think they were the better team out of the two. Yeah, I mean, even being a biased Kansas fan, I think I could give you that. I, I think it's probably a lot closer than a lot of people would, would think just because of who went on to the pros. I mean, you have, you know, Chase Daniel as a quarterback who is a backup now um, in the NFL. You had Jeremy Macklin on that team. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the other names that jump out, but I actually went back and rewatched the game just last week um, to kind of get ready for this. And, and uh, you know, I was surprised at how many names were on that Missouri team that I didn't remember played on that Missouri team when the game was actually happening. But back to your point about, you know, wondering how good that, that KU team was, not only did they not really play too many people in conference um, from, from the South Division that were expected to be good, but their non-conference games was, I mean, basically it was, it was Cupcake City based, you know, what we're used to seeing out of Bill Snyder. And, of course, that makes sense. Mangino learning under, under Bill Snyder, you know, being a former K-State guy, it, it kind of makes sense that he was trying to build the confidence. But, I mean, we had a, you know, a 52-7 to blowout of Central Michigan, 62 nothing against Southeast Louisiana, 45-13 to against Toledo, and then 55-3 to against Florida International. All of those at home against, you know, in, in, at, at Memorial Stadium, Really, the first actual test for Kansas was that game at K-State. Um, when when K-State was ranked, they, they kind of barely squeaked out of that one. And so, you know, there really was a lot of questions. They, they beat a Baylor team that had been struggling, um, you know, went into Colorado and actually beat a, a decent Colorado team at the time. Um, I think when people really started to pay attention to Kansas is when they went down to Texas A&M and beat Texas A&M there, even though it was a low-scoring game, was really close. Um, I think that's when people kind of first got an inkling that that Kansas-Missouri game was going to be something worth watching. Um, you know, at, by that point, Missouri had already lost uh, to Oklahoma, but, you know, they had wins against Nebraska. Um, they had a win against Ole Miss, or actually at Ole Miss. Uh, they won in Illinois, or I'm sorry, at home against Illinois, or no, I'm sorry, that was the neutral site game against Illinois. Um, but I mean, you know, so, so they had a lot of good wins. Missouri was definitely looking like a very talented team. Um, but I think that that two week stretch there when Kansas went down to Texas A&M and then they, they just blasted Nebraska the week after on homecoming. I think that's when people finally started realizing just how good this game was going to be. Uh, yeah, I think that KU team was good. I think we see all the time in college football. It's about schedule. It's about who's injured when you play them. It's about home road splits. And I think if you kind of go back and it's kind of harder, just we kind of replay the whole season in your head. I think that KU team was probably an eight, nine win team, probably at its ceiling. But the schedule kind of allowed itself for them to win to, to win double digit games. But I think that KU team was good. But as you alluded to, didn't really have a tough non conference schedule. Kind of avoided the teams in uh, in the Big Twelve South. 
but I think that year Texas for Oklahoma beats that team. I think they kind of got puffed up by that, but you don't complain about that. It's about what you do with the opportunity you know, to go through the regular season and only have one loss and then end up winning a BCS game, albeit undeserved. Still a very, very good season, obviously, for KU. Yeah, we'll get to more on, on that BCS berth there later. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think, you know, kind of remembering what I talked about with some of my coworkers and friends back then, you know, we were looking at probably eight or nine wins is what we were expecting going in, and that was a good season. Um, obviously, as things kind of kind of kept going and we had more improvement from, from the defense, um, we actually had – kind of the offense remained steady and actually got better. I, I think I think that's really the, the big thing is that we thought the defense was going to be good or um, we thought the offense was going to kind of be there um, but weren't sure how good it was going to be, especially since, you know, we were losing John Cornish. Um, and so it was really nice to kind of see that, that three-headed uh, rushing attack, be able to keep that up enough that we could get the, the, the passing um, – you know, production that we needed there. So it was, it was definitely really good to see that. Now, talking more, more directly about the game itself, uh, let's kind of move into the hype there. I know that, uh, you know, going into that week, I was, I was kind of shocked when the BCS standings came out and they had Kansas at number two, even, even given all the other craziness that had happened um, in the week prior to that. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think – I would have ever thought if I hadn't actually seen the rankings come out at the time uh, that Kansas would ever be able to get that high in the BCS standings. Um, you know, but Missouri was right behind them at number four. What, what were your kind of thoughts leading into that? Were you, were you surprised that Missouri had gotten up that high at that point, or was it kind of just the, the year was so crazy that nothing could really surprise you anymore? I think that Missouri was good. I think we saw that Missouri, at least in terms of national championship context, wasn't great. I mean, they played Oklahoma the second time. I think there was a pretty clear gap between Oklahoma and that Missouri team, that Oklahoma was better than Missouri that year. I think it was the perfect combination of Missouri had the right year of talent. As I made the point about schedule, the schedule just turned kind of in Missouri's favor. They played Nebraska at home this year. That game against Kansas was at a neutral site and not at Kansas. That clearly changes that game. Like, I don't know if Missouri wins that game on the road, just given the environment. Just a, a tough place to win. I mean, that's the biggest game in the history of KU Stadium. Hard to expect you kind of to go in there and walk away with a W. And, I mean, that year was just really weird. I mean, if you go back and think about it, the national championship game very easily could have been Missouri against West Virginia. Like, think about that. Like, think about the history of college football. Can you think of a more random at the end of the season games that could have happened? Missouri against West Virginia for the national right. championship game? I just think that season just kind of, every once in a while, it just kind of breaks in a way that allows a team like Missouri or West Virginia, or you remember South Florida was ranked number one in the BCS at one point throughout that season. That 2007 college football season was just odd. Yeah, it was a. I, I don't think I've ever seen one crazier. I mean, it is the only time that we had a a, a two loss team. Um, or maybe I'm not right on that, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure it was the only time we had a two loss team actually play for the national title and win it. Um, you know, LSU winning that and having lost actually two triple overtime games earlier in the year. So I don't think it gets any crazier than that when you just kind of think about everything that's happened in that in that particular year. Um, you know, I mean, you're looking at a at an Oklahoma team that, you know, ended up, let's see, 
I mean, you know, that, that Oklahoma team coming off the Big 12 championship and still, uh, I believe, yeah, losing to a West Virginia team in the Fiesta Bowl there. So I think I was a little surprised by that as well. But, I mean, you know, a three-loss Oklahoma team um, had, a, had a legitimate shot you know, given other things potentially breaking out their way, there was still talk about them potentially making it to the national title game um, with how impressive they were against Missouri in, in the Big 12 championship game. So, I mean, it was just a completely crazy season all around. Um, but I, I'm going to jump back to one of the points that you made that, uh, you know, you said that if, if the game had actually been uh, in, in Lawrence, that you, you felt that that there would have a good shot that Kansas could have won that game. I think I've kind of asked a few people here and there, and I, I don't think I've gotten anyone to actually kind of agree on that. Um, you know, we actually did an interview with uh, one of the uh, one of the players on that team. He said that, oh, it wouldn't have mattered, you know, if it was in Lawrence or not. Missouri was – That's always the easy – that's just always the easy thing to say. I think that if you look at it from a neutral, a neutral field perspective, so if they played that same game – the what was it the Friday Saturday after Thanksgiving? Right. They played that game ten times. I think Missouri went seven times out of ten. I think Missouri was just better than Kansas. But we all know when you go on the road, it is just a different kind of environment. And it's no knock towards Missouri, and I, I wouldn't say it's like not infinite praise towards Kansas. If you just say it, I think Kansas was a good team. I think Missouri was a little bit better, but I think that Kansas was a good team. And then you're going to give them the home field advantage, and then you put the caveat of it. It's the biggest game in the history of their stadium. Yes, I think Kansas wins that game. Now, I think it's close. I think it's a close kind of heartbreaking loss for Missouri, which is what they're used to. But just winning on the road in college athletics, and especially in college football, is just a very, very difficult thing to do. And I think that's the game. Now, I think if they play at Kansas, Missouri maybe wins three times out of that. Like, I think it's just kind of hard to go in that environment to win. I mean, I don't want to undersell how good that KU team was. Todd Reesing, Briscoe was on that team. Akeem Tlaib was like, that was a really, really good team that I just think at home, I think they find a way to win that game. Yeah, especially on the defense. I mean, that team, you know, that that, uh, secondary has three current NFLers, um, Akeem Tlaib, Chris Harris, Jr., and then Daryl Stuckey, who plays for the Chargers now. So, I mean, yeah, they, they had a lot of talent there, especially on the, on the defensive side. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I think also, too, just they had a lot of talent across the board. They didn't necessarily have the guys that stand out other than a couple here and there. Um, but they had enough consistent talent across the board that they usually you weren't going to get, you know, just kind of beat or, or uh, you weren't going to have someone just blow right by you um, and and score like crazy. Now, in the actual game itself, you know, we saw a few times where where Macklin and Daniel just had that great connection, were able to 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 put up spectacular play after spectacular play. Um, you know, kind of jumping into the game itself because you know I was but going back and rewatching it, and my my first impression initially was well the the teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, until we kind of just had a couple bad breaks there towards the end of the first quarter, and Missouri was able to get, um, you know, was was able to get on the board with that touchdown. Um, but but going back and looking at it again, you know, um, Tony Temple and really Missouri in general, that offense was kind of just beating the Kansas defense into submission. They weren't they weren't really breaking, but they were bending a whole lot until finally it didn't really matter. Um, 
you know, how much, how much they held. They got so close to the end zone, and then finally it just took one slip. Um, how, how much of that game do you remember, uh, especially that, that matchup there of the Missouri offense against the Kansas defense? I actually went back and I watched like the first half a year ago. I remember I had it saved in my DVR because on SEC Network they do one day of summer they give one team full like takeover. So it'll be like Alabama takeover, Missouri takeover, Vanderbilt. And I watched like the first half of the game and I remember two things to me really stood out. They showed a graphic of basically Gary Pinkle's record before that season and then how they had done in that individual season. I don't know if Kansas fans know this as much. Like, if that year didn't go right for Gary Pinkle, he would not have been the coach. Like, that was kind of the year that everything had come together. He had been a 500 coach. Chase Daniel was finally mature. Macklin was, the, like, they were supposed to do something and kind of take that next step. And obviously they didn't. We kind of know what happened with Missouri and how their program kind of took off from there. So I always remember that graphic. And I remember kind of going back and forth with Gary Harmon about it one time. And I remember that first drive when Missouri got the ball, but they went for it on fourth down, and they got it, and they scored a touchdown. And I think that was pretty symbolic in the game of, I don't know if Kansas that day just could have did a whole lot to stop Missouri. Like, that game got Chase Daniel invited to New York. Like, Kansas just didn't really have an answer for what Missouri wanted to do. And it wasn't really that surprising, because not a lot of teams that year had an ability to stop Missouri. What made that offense so special was, they could just beat you so many different ways. I mean, in the passing attack, they had Chip Kaufman, they had Martin Rucker, they had Jeremy Macklin. We all know the kind of player that he went on to be in the NFL. Tony Temple was a pretty solid running back. That team, uh, the offensive line, a couple of those guys went to the NFL. And then they had Chase Daniel, who was just the perfect college quarterback for that system that they just could score from anywhere on the field. They could just put drives together so quickly. So, that's probably the thing I, I remember most about the game is it just Chase Daniel just got in a groove and there just wasn't much that Kansas could have done that afternoon or that evening, excuse me, to stop what he was doing. Yeah, I think what kind of epitomizes that is, you know, they they actually on one of those drives right towards the end of the first quarter there when when Missouri went ahead and actually scored, um, you know, they actually had gotten a sack and sacked Daniel. For, I believe it was like a, an eight-yard loss or whatever to bring up second, second and 17 from like uh, the KU 45. And immediately, you know, you thought they were going to get out of it. They got down to third down, and it looked like they had gotten out of it. They broke the pass. And then there was some, some random uh, defensive holding call. Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't even show the replay of it or anything like that. I have no clue whether it was actually a good one or not, like because nobody even paid any attention to it. All of a sudden it was just like, well, of course, you know, there's a penalty and now it's converted. And immediately uh, Daniel just immediately threw the ball downfield and, and they got right down in the red zone. So, I mean, that, that was just kind of the day that they were having, that even when Kansas was able to do something good and put Missouri in a bad situation, they found a way to get out of it right away. So, yeah, I think that, that was definitely going to be a tough game for them to win, just the way that Missouri was playing on, on offense. And then the fact that, uh, you know, Todd Reesing really didn't have the best day decision-wise. Um, you know, they looked like they were going to go ahead and actually come back and tie that game up uh, early in the second quarter, got down in the red zone, uh, went to go throw it to Meyer, and just left it a little short, and it was picked off, and Missouri immediately went down to go ahead and score. So, yeah, yeah it was just it was just back of that kind of day, I think, for Missouri, that everything was clicking for them, and Kansas uh, was just, just, I think, put a little too much pressure on themselves trying to, to match Missouri blow for blow. 
Yeah, and that year, I just don't know too many offenses in the country that really could match what they were going to do. That, to me, you would have needed a defense like what Oklahoma had. I mean, if you think back to the middle of the 2000s, getting close to the later 2000s, back in 07, like Oklahoma was just still putting guys in the NFL at Oklahoma. And then when you add Sam Bradford on that team, like you just had the ability to match Missouri offensively and you could get physical. Like as good as that Missouri team was, like they were a little bit finesse. Like they weren't going to just going to pound the ball. Like they weren't Alabama. You know what I mean? Like Alabama can run the ball and just really dictate tempo and just really kind of dictate how physical the game's going to be. That's not really what Missouri was. So there just weren't many teams that could match that part of it and be physical enough and have the talent. And Kansas, at least in that game, just if you're not going to get pressure on Chase Daniel, at least in that season, you just weren't going to stop him. He was going to throw for 350 yards. Temple was going to run the ball. And then they were going to rack up 500 yards of total offense. Like that happened to so many teams. And at least on that night, Kansas just wasn't really equipped to stop him. Yeah, and I think it's, it's kind of similar to what you've seen happen a few times in the NFL especially with, you know, like Peyton Manning teams, if you have an offense that is that high-powered, um, you know, it's really, really hard for other teams to kind of keep up with them. Even the, the good defenses can't, can't hold forever against such a high-powered offense. And, I, I mean, I really do think that that's what Missouri was that year, um, kind of just a really, really high-powered offense that you, you either had to disrupt their timing early so they could never actually get on track um, or you had to be able to match them blow for blow and then hope that they make a mistake. Um, you know, I'm kind of just looking at uh, the, the the games that Missouri played, and really, I mean, even, you know, the, the, the losses they had to Oklahoma, they still scored. Um, I'm sorry, the first one, uh, down in Norman, you know, they lost 41 to 31. They still scored a bunch. I mean, they had, uh, other than that, there wasn't another game where they scored less than 35 points except, you know, except for their other loss. Um, so really, the only two times they scored less than 35 points was the two losses that they had, and that was an, against an Oklahoma team that just kind of seemed to have their number that year. So, yeah, definitely a really, really high-powered offense. Um, and, and I think really, as we've seen time and time again, the only way that you can hope to, to hang with a high-powered offense like that is to have at least a, uh, a close to uh, – offense that's kind of of the of, of a similar caliber there um that doesn't necessarily need to be able to match it blow for blow but you know it, it, unless your defense is just completely disrupting the timing it's going to be nearly impossible to keep up with them so yeah i mean i guess a comparison which would make kind of sense is just last year's ku team in basketball and last year's ku team could just score from so many different ways and the whenever Devonte graham is your third best player like you're just going to have a tough time stopping them some days and that was kind of the case for KU, and you saw against Oregon later in the season, like once you could kind of match how physical they could be and kind of push them around and take them off their game, like you could just kind of change how the, how the context of the game was going to be, and Jordan Bell played really well in that game. Like that's kind of how Oklahoma was for Missouri. Like Oklahoma was just one of the few teams that like they could just kind of get physical with Macklin or physical with Rucker that could just kind of disrupt the timing of Missouri's offense. Like Missouri's offense was – very quick passes and bubble screens and quick slants and getting the ball out fast. Like that wasn't happening against Oklahoma. That really just, that really disrupted a lot of things they do offensively. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I will say about that though, you know, it, it probably didn't hurt Oregon uh, being able to, you know, bank in crazy, ridiculous threes too, right at the end of the half. So that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, kind of, I mean to know. pull off an upset like that, you, you always need a little bit of luck. 
Well, you know, and, and that, I think that kind of just proves the point, though, that they were, you know, they had a ridiculously offensive night as well. Uh, I'm sorry, their, their offense was just ridiculous that night as well. And that's the kind of thing you need to have against a high-powered offense in pretty much any sport. Um, you know, the, the best way to attack them is to just go crazy on offense yourself because if you're scoring a bunch, it keeps the pressure on them to keep scoring. Um, and if they make any mistakes, well, then you're right there to take advantage of it. So, yeah, it's, it's that same sort of thing there. O- Oklahoma that year kind of just had the perfect offense of, of a defense that could disrupt what Missouri was doing and an offense that could match them blow for blow and, and then take advantage of the, of the mistakes that they made. That'll do it for us this time on the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. There's only a couple episodes left in this little mini-season that we're having. Next time, we will finish up a conversation that we had with Carrington Harrison. We also have the interview that Mike did with Jake Sharp that is coming out either Friday, today, or maybe tomorrow, depending on, on how everything goes. We did have two additional interviews that, that Mike had produced, uh, one with Bob Davis and one with Brandon Anderson. The, the text version of those will be up on the site, um, but unfortunately the audio is not going to be good enough for us to be able to go ahead and bring those to you. Uh, so, so there will just be the two episodes left at this point. But make sure you join us for those as we finish out our, our coverage of the 2007 Kansas football season. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Rock Chalk Talk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.